You're listening to episode 31. Hey there, Business Generals family. Welcome to another super episode of the Business Generals podcast where I feature amazing guests and I ask in-depth questions about their entrepreneurial journey. You know, my belief is that it doesn't matter how your journey in life started. It's not that important because great or small, the important thing is how you finish. So whatever your situation today, I want you to know that you can get your hopes up, that you are good enough to chase your dreams. In today's show, family, I dig into how it all started for our feature guests, how they have built their brand, and I even get into all the juicy details about their big challenges, their growth moments, and all their big breakthroughs. So it's going to be an amazing show. I actually selfishly started this podcast because I love to hear how entrepreneurs did it, and I wanted to ask the questions for myself. So really, I am the number one student. So get ready for amazing coaching tips, family, to help you maximize your business dreams. Welcome and thank you for joining me here on the Business Generals Podcast, where I chat with amazing entrepreneurs five days a week. Davis Mutawa here, your host. Super excited to bring you today's feature guest, Mr. Kevin Thompson. Kevin, are you ready to share your entrepreneurial story? Absolutely. Ready to go and looking forward to this, Davis. Fantastic. Well, Kevin is a hugely respected direct response marketer, a speaker, a trainer, and a connector. You can check him out at partnershipplaybook.com. I'm super pumped to dig into more of your story, Kevin. So welcome to the show. Uh, But before we get started uh, and we talk business, perhaps just take um, 30 seconds to tell us who is um, Kevin outside of business. Outside of business, I am a, a... a husband and a father to uh, seven incredible kids, uh, ranging from my, my my oldest son Jerry is thirty two, all the way down to our our youngest girl uh, Abby is uh, five, and uh, I've also got uh, three granddaughters, and one of them just celebrated her birthday today. So we had a big birthday party for her this last weekend, and uh, I'll tell you what that 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 is my reason for doing what I. I do, Davis. I just, uh, I love being a husband. I love being a dad. I love, uh, you know, I'm, I, we're, we're just really big on family. And uh, yeah, that's definitely a, a big motivation for me in doing what I do and then being able to, you know, just uh, uh, be able to kind of like live the lifestyle that that uh, I, I want to be able to live and, and raise my family in a way that makes me feel great. That's amazing. Um, you've got, uh, sounds like you've got a big family there. Interesting enough, uh, we've, we've got one daughter and her name is Abby and she's five. Well, she's almost five. So that's, that's cool. <laughs> wow. Very cool. <laughs> now, um, I want to jump into your story. How long have you been in full-time business for yourself? Well, I started my uh, very first business in 1996. So wow, that's been, uh, that's been 20 years ago that I've been a full-time entrepreneur. And, uh, and prior to that, uh, I had worked as a, as a commercial fisherman up in Alaska. Davis, have you ever heard of that show by chance, uh, that show called The uh, Deadliest Catch? I have. I don't know if you guys have even got that over where you live, but... 
Okay, okay. That's a, that's a really popular show here in the U.S., and uh, it, it uh, is a really accurate representation of, of what it's like to be a commercial fisherman in Alaska. And I did that for seven years with the sole purpose of saving up money to be able to start my own business. And, uh, and after almost losing my life on the fishing boat in 95, I decided, okay, you, you've saved up enough money. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's, it's time to, you know, put your, bring, bring your career as a fisherman to an end. And, uh, the following year in, uh, 96 was when I started my first business, which was a cleaning and restoration company. And, and Davis, I got to tell you, uh, I chose that business, uh, not knowing the first thing about business, but I knew this guy in Seattle who was in that industry, and he seemed like he did pretty well for himself. And I thought, well, gosh, if he can do it, so can I. And that's how I chose to get involved in the in the cleaning and restoration business. <laughs> and uh, and and that first year was was quite an experience because I very interesting, right? Yeah, didn't have a clue what I was doing, and learned that really quickly. <laughs> so if if we talk about right now, what what are your current um, revenue streams? Well, so uh, after starting that uh, that initial cleaning and restoration business, uh, uh, one of the things I did in that business, uh, starting in 2000, I got introduced to the internet and technology, and I thought, gosh, wouldn't it be really cool if I could use the internet and technology to be able to grow my little local business to maybe even a, a nationwide or a worldwide business. And so we started this this little ugly website called getmoldsolutions.com. And that website is still on the internet to this day. But uh, after uh, uh, a little period of time, we, we got that website uh, where it was making about $12,000 a month in revenue. We were selling like mold test kits, mold cleaning product, informational products. And uh, in 2002, I got invited to speak at a large seminar for the cleaning and restoration industry and show them what I was doing. And uh, that launched a whole new business where I started showing other people how to use the internet and technology to either uh, expand their existing business or even start a new business of their own from scratch. And I've been doing that for, well, since 2002 now. So we're, uh, gosh, time flies, 14 years into that. And I've been running a, a coaching group around that for all those years. And so I, I, I still do that. Uh, still have a coaching, uh, a group coaching, uh, business from that. And, and the way that I've grown my own business, uh, is by partnering and collaborating with other people, uh, to help expand my message and get it out in the marketplace in a big way. And so now, uh, that's a large focus of what I do now is I teach uh, other entrepreneurs how to partner and collaborate effectively so that they can uh, get more more clients in a month than they currently get all year. And so I've got a whole new, uh, well, I wouldn't say new, it's it's a couple of years old, but uh, I've got a whole new business that we started, which was just kind of a natural byproduct of me doing what I do. And uh, I've got an informational business as well as a, a group coaching business, as well as a private client practice built off of the back of that whole partnering and collaborating process as well, which is called the Partnership Playbook. That's that's huge, and that's one of and congratulations on all the success you've had so far. 
Um, I want to step a little bit back into your story here. Um, when you you mentioned you you were doing the the fishing business or or you know going out to deep sea and raising money, um, it sounded like you didn't actually have a specific project that you were going to go into. But then you found um, somebody that you knew, and you know you sort of went to them, and they might have mentored you and guided you into this cleaning and restoration business. But Kevin, I'm sure there were other people who had businesses at the time. Why did you choose that particular business and and that particular mentor? I didn't have a clue what I was doing back then. I mean, all I knew is that you know, ever since high school, uh, I was involved in a in a uh, a program called FBLA, Future Business Leaders of America, and I got that was my introduction to the entrepreneurial slash business world, and and I really liked what I learned in high school and I I was like I knew that I wanted to be a business owner. I wanted to own my own business and do my own thing. I just didn't have a clue how I was going to make it happen. And uh but I but I thought it would take money to do that. So I thought, well, I better get some money together. And I was talking with a good friend of mine cuz we live in Seattle here and uh I was talking with a good friend of mine about this and he's like, "Well, gosh, Kevin, if you want to get money together, Go down to Seattle, get yourself a job on one of those fishing boats and, and go up to Alaska and go fishing because I hear those guys make all kinds of money. And uh, so that's what I did. <laughs> and uh, for seven years, I did that with the goal of saving up money to start my own business. And, uh, and, uh, I, that's, that was it. And I, and you're right, Davis, at the time when I, when I was fishing, uh, and, and trying to save up money, I did not know what business I wanted to be in. I just knew that I wanted to be in business and I thought it took money. And so I was just doing what I thought I knew how to do was to get some money together so that I could start my own business. And over that seven years, uh, I definitely lived a pretty good lifestyle, but we also saved up a couple hundred thousand dollars over that seven years. And, uh, uh, I used that to start my first business. And, and I, and I will tell you by the same token, Davis, that, you know, a lot of people would say, well, you know what? I would start my own business too. If I had $200,000 or, or if I had money, then I'd start my own business. I will tell you that I promptly blew through every bit of that $200,000 in the first year. And because I didn't have a clue what I was doing. And didn't understand direct response marketing, didn't understand any of that stuff. Uh, I blew through that. And when I met Joe Polish the following year in 97, uh, who I started learning really good direct response marketing strategies from, and, and he helped me turn that business around, I was on my last legs. I was, I was almost like, wow, you know what? Maybe you're not cut out to be an entrepreneur because you haven't been able to figure this thing out. And, uh, but when I met Joe, I uh, got introduced to him, uh, and with his help, we completely turned that business around. And over the from '96 to '99, we turned it into a uh, by referral only company that was a uh, uh, top three, you know, top three percent income producing companies uh, in the industry. Uh, and that was thanks to Joe and what he taught me about direct response marketing. That's a great story. And Kevin, what were some of those um, pivotal things that you changed in your business? Um, that helped you take off. And just give us a, uh, an overview of what that business was really. I know you said cleaning and restoration, but was that with cars or um, upholstery in homes and stuff? What was it? 
It was. It was. It was carpet and upholstery in homes, and 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 I'll tell you, you know, Davis, when I when I started that business in 1996, uh, what I originally did was I I looked at the ads from other people who were in the carpet cleaning and restoration business, and I saw what they were doing, and I saw, you know, so a lot of these guys were running ads like in the local newspaper or in the phone book or in mail out coupons like the Valpac that would mail into people's homes. And they, they were advertising that they would, you know, come and clean two rooms in a hallway for $59 and 95 cents. And so I was like, well, I'll just do it for forty nine ninety five, and then I'll get all the business. <laughs> and, uh, and so I became the low price cleaner and I, and uh, and that's what that's what dang near put me out of business, and I didn't even realize it because I I just didn't know what I didn't know, and I was just brand new to being a business owner, being an entrepreneur, and uh, I I was just I, I was quite honestly I was hating life because I was just uh, working for clients and, and cleaning carpets for people that were just didn't really care about their carpeting investment, and when I met Joe. Uh, you know, I, I told him what was going on and I was like, I don't know what the heck I'm doing wrong, but I'm, you know, here's what I'm doing. And he was like, well, Kevin, he's like, what you're doing wrong is, is you're trying to be the low price service guy. And he's like, who do you really want to work for? And he's like, Joe, I was like, Joe, I was like, I would rather work for people that live in really nice homes and care about their carpeting investment. And he's like, well, Kevin, he's like, they're going to look at your ad and say that you'll do it for forty nine ninety five, and they're going to like th- think to that and go like, "Well, what the heck are you going to do for that?" They expect to pay more, <laughs> and and they expect to get a great service. And so that's when he started teaching me how to communicate effectively with the people that I really wanted to work for. And uh, so that that was a huge thing that, like you know, I was completely blind to because I you just don't know what you don't know at the time. And uh, he taught me how to do effective marketing and communicate with the people that I really wanted to work for. And then with his help, now all of a sudden we we were cleaning carpets that you know were were in big beautiful homes for people that uh, you know we charged a whole lot more money than fifty nine ninety five. <laughs> I mean, we were doing cleaning jobs that were three, four, five hundred dollars when we would come out and. Uh, and the people loved us for our service, but it was all about effective direct response marketing and being able to effectively communicate your message to the ideal client that you wanted to be able to do business with. That's a that's a huge lift from forty nine bucks to like three hundred and three hundred dollars to four hundred dollars. That's that's massive. So somebody's listening to this and saying, "Well, what what's direct response marketing?" Um, Kevin, walk us through maybe the the basics of that and. And what were those key things that you changed from your marketing at the time? I, mean, I know you teach a whole course and different things on the on workshops. So maybe just in that example, um, how can how can you explain that to us? Sure. So so you know, previous to meeting Joe and understanding direct response marketing, I was like every other carpet cleaner out there that uh, I you know that they were you know I'll just say I'll come clean two rooms in a hall for forty nine ninety five and I'm I'm cheaper than the other guys so you know pick me pick me pick me because I'm the cheap guy and uh, and and when we started 
using direct response marketing, instead of putting that kind of messaging out there, we changed our messaging and we said our messaging became you get the most thorough cleaning ever or it's free. And, and so, so now, you know, we, we spoke to a whole different class of people. We took, and, and we, and we also started educating our clients on, you know, how to choose a, an ethical cleaning company and, you know, what mistakes to avoid and all of this kind of stuff. And, and we would give them criteria on how to choose a carpet cleaner. We put like a, a recorded, uh, 24 hour message together that people could call and listen to whenever they wanted. And we would tell them, you know, here's the six questions you need to ask any carpet cleaner before you ever hire them. And if when you're asking these questions, if you get answers that are Making you feel uncomfortable? Well, don't hire that carpet cleaner. <laughs> and and what it did was it, it led them right back to us because when they asked us those questions, uh, we had the answers that they wanted to hear, and which let them go ahead and says, "Well, you know what? Yeah, you are the kind of carpet cleaning company that I want in my home that I can trust, and and all of that kind of stuff." So it really came down to you know having the correct messaging for the people that you wanted to serve and like you know these these high end clients they don't want to hire the cheap carpet cleaner they don't trust the cheap carpet cleaner uh they want to be able to trust you to come in their home when they're not there in many cases you know all of these other kind of things and and Joe taught me how to speak to that and and attract those kind of clients I love that I'm loving this and were you still doing um Ad, ads in the mail or do you start buying lists how did that translate for you so yes we did we we started renting mailing lists uh to areas of of homes that we wanted to specifically mail to we would actually go and drive around in those neighborhoods and like okay these are neighborhoods that we wanted to to service and so we started mailing into those neighborhoods we we could all do also do valpac we we could also use the yellow pages uh but then the other big thing that was a complete game changer for us davis was uh we uh, you know, because we advertise, you get the most thorough cleaning ever or it's free, uh, and, and we'll prove it to you. We, we would even go out and clean one room for free to let them try us out. And, and, uh, you know, and, and so that became like this no risk offer. And we would give them one room up to, up to a hundred square feet, absolutely free. Uh, and then what we would do is we started giving these gift certificates out to all of our clients. Uh, after we would do a job for them and we would say, Hey, you know, here's, here's a free room of cleaning certificate. You can give these out to your friends and your family and there's no cost to you. And like if, if they decide that they want to hire us to do a free room of cleaning, we'll deliver on that gift for you. And so that made them look like the rock star because they're able to say, Hey, look, I, I arranged to get this free gift for you. If you want to have my carpet cleaner come out and clean a free room of, of carpet for you, they'll do that. And, and that completely transformed our business. And where we had been investing around $3,500 a month in advertising via the, the yellow pages in the phone book. And we were also doing a lot of uh, what's called Valpac. We were mailing out about 50,000 of those every month. Uh, once we got the referral program really firmly in place, which it took us about three months 
to where we saw that like, okay, this referral program is generating more business for us than all of our ads combined. Well, we started refunneling that money. We immediately quit the Valpac and, and we took that monies and funneled it into the referral program. And then when the, when the, uh, when the uh, contract on the yellow pages expired at the end of the year, we did not renew that either. And what we did is we took that $3,500 a month that we were investing in those ads and we started running – because we mailed a monthly newsletter to all of our clients. We started running these big contests, big referral contests where we would give away uh, – I mean, my gosh, we were giving away all kinds of prizes. But some of the big ones were cruise vacations. We were sending people on cruise vacations. And uh, and we completely transformed that business uh, between 96 and 99, we completely transformed it into a by-referral-only company. That's an amazing story. I uh, appreciate you sharing the details of that. And um, so it's, it's brought us to, I guess, 1999 or into the 2,000-year mark. And you decided to exit and, and start training this information because obviously people were watching. And, and every time they would hear this story, they would probably want to say, teach me, teach me, teach me. How did that transition happen for you? Yeah, so the, the transition happened actually, uh, you know, so we, we started using the Internet in 2000 to expand out uh, that, that local business. And we started uh, that little website called GetMoldSolutions.com. And, and uh, we built that we, we, we built that website up was producing about a $12,000 a month income for us. Uh, and then in uh, 2003, I got invited to go speak at a, uh, a big annual event for the cleaning and restoration industry. Uh, they wanted me to come down there and show them what I was doing and how I was uh, creating revenue with my, with my website. And that's what kind of led to this transition where I started teaching, you know, that, teaching what I was doing. And so it was in the following year, April 19th of 2004, I actually sold the cleaning and restoration business and we moved into the the coaching and consulting uh, full time. And I've been in that ever since. I'll ask you a question. Um, how, how, what was the size of the business in the cleaning, if you don't mind sharing? And why, why would you sell out at that point? Was it just too many hours or what was the, what was the reason? Yeah. And that, yeah, that was really what was going on was, uh, by, by early 2004, my, my consulting business was really growing. And, uh, and so I was doing both. I was running the cleaning and restoration business and managing that. And I was also managing the consulting business. And quite honestly, I, I, I enjoyed doing the consulting a whole lot more. <laughs> and it was a good friend of mine that really pointed this out to me. He's like, Kevin, he's like, you know, he's like, at this point, this carpet and restoration business, this cleaning and restoration business, this is kind of like an albatross around your neck right now. He's like, could you imagine what would happen is if you didn't have that and you could just focus all your effort on continuing to grow your coaching and consulting business? And I was like, yeah. I was like, wow, that would be pretty cool. He's like, why don't you sell the cleaning business and focus on this full time? <laughs> and I'm like, that's a good idea. And that was in January of that year. And, uh, and by April 19th of that year, January, February, March, so three and a half months later, it was a done deal. That carpet cleaning business was sold. <laughs> so, 
massive, massive. Now here's here's a a question a question for you. Is that carpet cleaning business still as systemized as you left it, or were you the one driving it, um, and the new owners didn't manage to continue with that success? So what happened is that the new owners promptly drove that business right into the ground. <laughs> uh, it was an incredible business that they got, and uh, and and I remember when when we were going through the process. I mean, the the, the new owner, his name was Kevin too. And uh, he had all kinds of ideas for that business. And, and I was like, you know what, Kevin? I was like, I applaud you for all your ideas, and that's fantastic. But what I would suggest to you is, you know, you have open lines of communication with all of our clients. And, and what I will tell you is I have had ideas, too, that like when I ran them by my clients and what they wanted, uh, it's it, it just like, man, if I would have gone ahead with that, it would have it, it would have really hurt because it wasn't what they wanted. And like we, we have this monthly newsletter, we have their contact information, we have them all sectioned out by who our best clients are. I even had this thing called my client council, which were my top 30 clients that we would meet with in person once a month where I would take them out to dinner at like a pizza place or whatever. And we would meet with them and talk with them about, you know, just whatever. And, uh, and, and I told him, I said, make sure whatever ideas you come up with, make sure and run it by the clients because you know, it's all about them and what they want. And like, we can have the greatest idea in the world. Uh, and if, and if we're off mark, our clients are going to let us know. And, uh, but uh, he, uh, he thought his ideas were great and went with them on his own. And, uh, yeah, it didn't work out all that well. I think, I think he lasted about four years before the, the whole business just kind of fell apart. And it, it, it was sad to see. It was sad to see. So Yeah. What's, what's the lesson for somebody who is looking at buying a business? What do you counsel people today who come to you and say, I want to buy a business um, in today's market? You know, I mean, so I, I'm not, re- you know, what, what's interesting is I have never been asked that question before. Uh, I have a friend of mine that that is his business. Uh, Robert's whole business is buying and selling remarkable companies. Uh, but, you know, what I would, I mean, I, you know, all I can speak is to my own experience. And, and what I can tell you, Davis, is that the businesses that I've built, the businesses that have been, uh, have just been super successful for me are, it's all been built around just what I know, what I know, what I like, what I'm passionate about. And so for me, you know, especially now, if I look at this, like, you know, me teaching this partnering and collaborating process to other entrepreneurs so that, you know, other entrepreneurs, other business owners, consultants, coaches, what have you. Uh, and, and so they can get more new clients in a month than they currently get all year. Well, see, I love doing that. I love interacting with entrepreneurs. I love having conversations with them. I love finding out how I can be of more service to them. And, and because they recognize that too, you know, it, it's a really great match. And, you know, and, and it's, you know, we, we've all heard the saying is, you know, f- follow your passions and, and you'll never work a day in your life or, or have a business around something you love and you'll really be successful. And I think there's more to it than that. You definitely have to have good marketing around it and all that kind of stuff. But there is a whole lot of truth in whatever you do. By gosh, I hope you enjoy it. <laughs> because if you don't, 
you know, I mean, you talk to so many business owners and entrepreneurs who, you know, it's kind of like in many circles, it's this standing joke about, you know, well, business would be great if it weren't for those pesky customers. And, and I'm just kind of like, wow, what a sad state of affairs because you attracted those customers. You, 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 you know, you let them become customers. <laughs> and, uh, and so, you know, if, I mean, like, I, I don't have experience in buying and selling business. I, I sold that one business and, uh, and I went through a business broker to do that. And, uh, and, and the only reason I sold, I was like, I, I wanted to move on and do something else that I was more passionate about that I was wanting to do. But, uh, you know, I mean, like if, if I was to make a comment to somebody that's looking at buying a business, I mean, you know, I mean, I, I would say talk with a good business broker who knows what they're doing, but also, you know, look at it as something like, you know, I mean, like, is this something that I'm passionate about getting involved in, even if you were going to be, you know, somewhat hands off and not necessarily in the thick of it all the time? Appreciate it. I want to pivot a little bit here and talk about fear of failure. A lot of entrepreneurs are held back and they stay in their, you know, their corporate jobs or for you, their, their fishing sort of career out on the deep sea. Um, and they, they just think I'm making enough money. I'm, you know, I've saved up 200 grand. I'm just going to keep doing this for a while and I'm not going to start my own business in case I lose it, which you, you did in 12 months, I guess, almost. Um, so what, what would you share if we now pivot to your new business, um, of training people generate more customers in a month than they would do in a, in a year, which is amazing. What would you say has been the biggest moment, uh, perhaps where you felt, you know, things had failed and maybe even wanted to go back to maybe your old business if that was, if there was ever a time like that? Sure. I mean, yeah, there was definitely, you know, I mean, I, I, I deal with that on a regular basis, <laughs> you know, Davis, that, you know, this, this whole fear of failure kind of a thing. And like, you know, I mean, like fear of like, you know, am I, I mean, especially when I now find myself, I mean, now it's okay, but it wasn't before, uh, where I found myself, you know, having conversations with entrepreneurs who ran businesses much, much bigger than my own. I mean, you know, I mean, like I've, for the most part, all these years, Davis, I've pretty much been a solo, what's called a solo entrepreneur. Uh, other than, I mean, you know, I had the carpet cleaning business where we had employees there. Uh, but I mean, it wasn't a large business. I only had four employees. Um, and, but other than that, my consulting business, I've never had any employees. I've got some 1099 help. I've got, you know, uh, I, I've got a bookkeeper. I've got an accountant. I've got a web developer person. I've got uh, phone support. I've got email support people, but they're not employees. They're, they're 1099. They're other, other companies is what they are. I, I'm not. I'm not big on talking about revenue because I think it's it, it's re, it really doesn't matter. I'm not one of these guys that likes to flash. You know, I mean, I, I'm just a family guy. I mean, do we live a nice life, nice lifestyle? Sure. I mean, I live in the home that I want to live in. I drive the vehicle I want to drive. So does my wife. I mean, we're able to support our family. But I'm not a guy who like likes to flaunt it all over the place. And, but when I, when I find myself talking with other entrepreneurs that are maybe running, you know, a $5 million a year company or a $10 million a year, I mean, and, and heck, just last year, I was talking with a, a gentleman that was running a company that was doing $275 million a year in sales. And, and there was a time where I would look at like, holy cow. 
they're running a business so much bigger than mine. Who am I? Who am I to be trying to help them? Who, you know, do I even really have any value to offer them? <laughs> and, and even with what we do now, you know, it, it took a while to figure out the marketing message and how I can connect with the people who I can best serve. And throughout those processes and throughout those experiences, I've had to like, Get, get the heck out of my own way. And, and really, you know, I heard Tony Robbins talk about this, this fear thing. He's like, you know, you can either let fear stop you from doing what you really want to do and making the impact you want to have in this world, or you can let the fear of like, what, what if I did let it stop me? Well, then how many people would I not be able to help? And how, you know, what would be the ripple effect of that, of me not doing this? And, and so, you know, I've always looked at that and like, do I have fears? You bet I do regularly. <laughs> and in fact, uh, later this afternoon, I'm going to be talking with another gentleman that runs a very, very large company. And, and I have to have a conversation with him and I need to find out, okay, you know, can I help him? But you know what? This is really now it's me interviewing him. I, I, I'm not trying to sell him on being a client. I truly want to find out about him and his company and where they're at right now and where they're wanting to go and where, what their struggles are and what their challenges are so that I can find out, okay, is there a way that I can help them? And, and when, after I get all that insight, then I'll just say, hey, you know what, Thaddeus, uh, based on what you've shared with me, I believe that I might be able to help to help you guys. And if you're interested, I'll tell you what that might look like and what the investment is for that, if that's something that you would like to know about. If not, that's totally cool, too. <laughs> and And so, you know, there is going to be this fear of failure of of what if it doesn't work out or what if i can't figure it out or who the heck am i to be doing this i'm just i'm just this little person and I, you know i'm you know all of that stuff goes through our heads all the time <laughs> and and you know that's partly where the passion comes in and then the the commitment's got to be there too of like you know what i believe so strongly that I do have something of value. And so by gosh, I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to figure out how to market this effectively. I'm figuring, I'm going to figure out how to communicate my value proposition effectively. I'm going to do all of those things. And yeah, I'm going to move forward in spite of the fear and the, and the, you know, voices that I sometimes have in my head telling me you can't do this or you shouldn't be doing this or who are you to be doing this or what if you fail? Uh, you know, uh, because you know what? Yeah, it's always a possibility. Do I do things that don't work out? Heck yes, I do. But as long as I learn from them, that's okay. <laughs> That's, that's huge. And I love what you say, you know, anchoring back onto what you believe at the core of your value system. You know, you're, you're good at what you do. You can help somebody and you're just going to get past the fear, feel it, feel the fear and do it anyway and give somebody that value through your interview process. You understand what they need and you, you, you share with them. I can help you with this. And if you're on board, fantastic. If you're not, that's okay. Kevin, I want to ask you, what has been your biggest breakthrough moment in your, in your current business? And maybe share a story of somebody that you have interviewed. You've walked through that process with them and you've helped them turn things around. Sure. 
So I'll tell you, uh, I think the biggest experience I had just happened a couple months ago uh, because I've been teaching this partnering and collaborating process for a couple years. And, uh, and, and what's very interesting is through this process, you know, you know, kind of specifically using it to grow your business, but the way that you communicate with people, what it does is it, it presents what I call these unforeseen opportunities. And this is kind of a phenomenon that takes place is that you do start just uncovering these unforeseen opportunities that you couldn't even see before having a conversation with somebody. And so a couple months ago, I end up getting a call on my cell phone from a gentleman who uh, he's all apologetic. And he's like, Kevin, he's like, you know, I I just want to let you know, I I sure hope you don't mind me calling you on your cell phone, but I got your number from a good friend of mine and he gave it to me because he really thought that, that you could help me. And he's like, I would just like to tell you a little bit about who I am. And, and I was like, all right, go ahead. And, and I found out who it was that, that told him about me. And, and he said, he's like, well, he's like, uh, he's like, I'm with the Miami Marlins, which is the baseball team down here in Florida. And he's like, we're looking for a sponsor. He's like, we've got a four year old stadium down here and we're looking for a, a, a name sponsor for the stadium as well as some sponsors for inside the stadium. And we just thought that maybe you might be able to help us. And I, I'm like, I, I told him, I said, you know what, John? I said, I don't know the first thing about baseball. I'm not even a baseball fan at all. I love, I love watching the football and being from Seattle. I'm a, a big Seattle Seahawks fan, but I'm not a baseball fan at all. <laughs> and, and, uh, but you know what? I was like, I do know people. And I was like, you know, and, and they, that these, these sponsorships were going for anywhere from five to eight million, depending on length of contract, all of that. And I said, you know what? As like, and these guys were offering uh, me a percentage if I, I could help them find a sponsor. And I was like, let me make a few phone calls and send out a couple emails. And, and within 48 hours, I had made a few connections for those guys. And, and the interesting thing was what I always tell people is, you know, see, now that kind of stuff happens in my life all the time. And so over and above teaching the process I teach, what I'm always looking for is those unforeseen opportunities that I can't see right now that like, oh, if I met this person and now I know this person, I can connect those two people and wow, they could do something incredible together. And and see, so in above teaching the process and empowering people to apply it to their own life, their own business, I also get to be a connector for people and really take advantage of all these unforeseen opportunities. And that's, you know, that is available to anybody and everybody. And most people just, they don't realize it. They don't know it's available, but yet it's so easy to tap into. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that's one of the things that is just a byproduct of doing what we do. And like even doing this interview with you, you know, I mean, you reached out to me, you know, somehow you had heard about me and you're like, Kevin, I'd like to interview. And I'm like, sure. I was like, cause I'm always looking for ways that I can, you know, just, just help get my message out there and let more people know about what I do and how I might be able to help them. And so, yeah, I'm open to doing this kind of thing. And like, will I get business off of it? I don't know. Who knows? But I'm more than willing to do it just because it's going to help like let more people know that I exist and that I might be able to help them. And maybe I am going to attract somebody that like, you know what? I need to get a hold of that guy, Kevin. (laughs) 
Yeah. And I appreciate you actually for, for spending this time and sharing. I've, I've loved um, all of the stuff you've been sharing. I wanted to ask you, um, what, is, what are the top three things that you teach in your course and in your trainings around this partnership model? Just maybe help, help us just get to that, the crux of, of, of what that key message is. So, so here's the thing, you know, when, you know, most people have had a really bad experience with networking and, and, you know, and I'm not, you know, I, I am, uh, I totally get that because in most networking situations, everybody is there. They, they believe they're there to talk about themselves or their business and what they're doing. And because everybody is there talking about themselves, nobody's listening to anybody. And so it creates a bad experience for everybody that's in that environment. <laughs> and, and what I, you know, so the first thing, if you want to really connect with somebody, you want to ask them questions about themselves. And even like when I find myself whether it's in a networking situation or whether it's in uh, where I'm with other entrepreneurs and they'll ask me, well, Kev, tell me about you and what you do. I will always divert that because I don't want to tell them about me and what I do. I'm like, you know, hey, you know, John, I don't mind telling you about me, but man, first, I'd like to just know more about you. Why don't you tell me a little bit about you? Because I want to get them talking because I don't want to talk about me. I want to find out about them and see when you do that, I'll tell you what, and then you intently listen to them, you will collect so much insight and information from them. And I've got a specific process I like to go through and ask a series of specific questions so that I can get really valuable insight and information from them. And and does it always lead to something? No. But, uh, well, you know what? I tell you what, it, it does always lead to them going, holy cow, you know what? It was just really great talking with you because people want to talk about themselves. But the thing is, is like nobody listens. And so first, give people the opportunity to talk about themselves because that's going to give you information and insight that you need and to be able to like, how can I help them, you know? And so if you let them talk about themselves while intently listening to them, don't just, you know, let them talk and then you just for the sake of letting them talk, but listen to them. Because I'll tell you, most people, uh, they don't get listened to. We don't get listened to. <laughs> and when we do have people that intently listen to us and even ask clarifying questions about what we're talking about, it makes us feel really good. And then, you know, by me doing that, I mean, now I'm just like, you know, I mean, I just had another conversation this morning before you and I hopped on the line here with a gentleman, Ryan, where I was asking him all kinds of questions. I was like, you know what, Ryan, based on what you told me about what you're trying to do, I know this guy Chauncey and he does this and like I should probably introduce you guys because it just seems that you guys having a conversation would really make sense. Would you find that valuable? And Ryan's like, my gosh, Kev, yeah, I'd love to talk with Chauncey. And I'm like, fantastic. I'm going to shoot an email to the two of you and I'm going to, I'm going to open the door for you guys to have a conversation. And, and see, when you can provide value to somebody else like that, that's called building relationship capital. And, and so now with both Chauncey and with Ryan, I have made a deposit into that relationship capital account and, and by, by just doing something for them that was mutually beneficial for both of them. And will I maybe get compensated on that if they do something together? Yeah, that's a possibility. Uh, but that's, I mean, just by connecting those guys, I have upped my relationship capital with each of them. 
And by always looking for ways that we can be of service to others, and the way that we do that is by having a conversation with them, letting them talk, listening to them, and looking for ways to be of service. Either it's from us ourselves doing what we do or by making introductions to somebody else. And uh, and then so that's the two things is just, you know, let other people talk, listen to them, f- get insight on how you might be able to help them. And even if, if nothing else, now you can collect their contact information and follow up with them. It gives you a reason to follow up with them and build that relationship capital by doing for them first. And now when you've done for other people and you are this giving and generous person at the core of who you are, well, guess what? It's okay to ask for things that you want too. But the the, the ask comes after You've already done for something. Do something first. Provide value for somebody else first. Then you can ask them. Then you can tell them about something that you're excited about and say, hey, what's your, you know, here, I got something I want to run by you. I want to talk to you about this thing. And maybe you can help me or maybe you know somebody who could help me, you know. Um, but, you know, do for others first and build up that relationship capital. And, and uh, you know, I, I will say that a lot of people, you know, are not, good and a lot of people are really especially entrepreneurs are usually pretty generous people they're good at giving but they're not so good on the receiving side of things i mean like when people say you know hey what can i do to help you most of us are like oh no no i'm good i don't need nothing and and what i would challenge you to do is get really good at receiving too uh because you know giving and receiving are this just different sides of the same coin and, uh, you know, you need to get good at both. If I were to ask you, you know, what, what do you prefer better, breathing in or breathing out, and you actually gave me an answer, I'd tell you, great, <laughs> try doing only that for a while and see how far you get, because you got to do both. And uh, But when you're, you're really good at giving, uh, and then you open yourself up to receiving from others too, and you have a, have a track record of people around you knowing that you're good at giving, then guess what? You are already surrounded by people who would gladly help you too if you just let them know how they could. If you could just get out of your way and be open to that receiving side of it too, which so many entrepreneurs just aren't, but when they do open themselves up to that, you just open the flow of all this amazing stuff to go on in your life and in your business. Kevin, before I ask my last question, I want to thank you for everything that you've, um, you've helped us understand here in this interview. What's the best way to connect um, with you? Uh, they just go to partnershipplaybook.com. And, uh, you know, all, all that website is, I don't have any sales material there or anything. Uh, but if, if you're an entrepreneur who, or a business owner or a professional or a coach or a consultant or what have you, and, uh, you, you would like some more information from me, I mean, you'll, you'll find some great stuff there on that blog. I've got some great blog posts about, you know, giving and receiving. I got some tools there. Uh, but if, if you'd like to, you know, just reach out to me personally. Personally, uh, you know, you can shoot me an email too at Kevin at partnershipplaybook.com. I'm I'm really easy to get a hold of. And and if you're an entrepreneur who wants to, you know, get better at connecting and, and believe that that can really grow your business, what I can tell you is that uh, you can definitely get more clients in a month than you currently get all year. Uh, if, if you get really good at this and it, and it, and it's not difficult to get good at this partnering, collaborating, connecting thing, it's pretty doggone simple. And, and the process that we use around here is, uh, 
is, is, is so powerful that it lets you see results in less than 24 hours. You will have tangible results. I know that's a bold claim. It's one I stand behind 100%. Uh, when you do what I show you how to do, your own experience will be proof positive inside of 24 hours that this process works. And it's that simple. And, uh, but yeah, partnership playbook is the website, partnershipplaybook.com. And you can also email me at Kevin at partnershipplaybook.com. Huge. That's huge. Well, thank you for sharing that contact information. And ladies and gentlemen, thank you for hanging out with me and Kevin today. I hope you had as much fun as I did. And I hope you got your hopes up that you can do something amazing in your life. Check out um, all the show notes at businessgenerals.com and just type in Kevin into the search bar. And to connect with Kevin, again, jump at uh, partnershipplaybook.com or shoot Kevin an email, kevin at partnershipplaybook.com to get all his wisdom and uh, his insights into helping you create better partnerships and, and uh, you know increase those uh, sales transactions and um, that foot traffic coming to your website um, and to your business. Kevin, thank you so much for being on the Business Generals podcast today, for sharing your story with us. I had so many more amazing questions to ask you, but we ran out of time. But I'm grateful for your time. You are a true business general. Hey, what's up, Business Journalist family? Thank you for joining me and for listening to the Business Journalist podcast. Connect with me at Davis Mutabwa. That's D-A-V-I-S-M-U-T-A-B-W-A. Connect with me on Facebook, on Twitter, on LinkedIn. And you can certainly find me at our podcast blog, businessjournals.com. And while you're there, remember to access all the show notes, a ton of free resources, killer training, and so much more. Love you guys. Thank you for joining me. Ciao.